On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, Sherwood Park is thrust into the spotlight with a major fundraising ball game and the community's own Tanner Kerwer joins us. Welcome to episode 52 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. Talk about extra innings. 56 baseball players in our province have descended upon Sherwood Park over the next few days as they take part in the world's longest baseball game. They're raising money for the Cure Cancer Foundation in support of a new drug and therapeutic treatment at the University of Alberta. The hope is to raise $250,000 and also set a new Guinness World Record. Our first guest on the podcast this week is founder and organizer Brent Seek. Brent, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Take us back to the very beginning when you guys decided, hey, you know what we can do? We can play a few extra innings, and by a few, I mean a whole lot of them. Yeah, the uh, few years ago when we played the first longest baseball game, the record, I believe, was 72 hours from a from a good group of guys down in St. Louis. And, uh, and now we're up to about 84. It, uh, they've broken that record and they just did it again. Now we've got to break their record. So, uh, the, uh, to shout out, uh, I've talked to them already and uh, I'm going to let them know to make sure they listen to this podcast, but, uh, shout out to them for the good work. Cause they're, it's really cool. We're basically both doing it for the same reason, uh, trying to cure cancer. And that's really at the heart of all of this is it really is uh, a heartfelt uh, 85 hours that you're hoping to accomplish here. Talk about the inspiration behind uh, trying to go for something like this, because there's always a catalyst for uh, fundraisers like this. Yeah, the um, well, the, the 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 all of this mess, as I call it now, is, was was started with uh, the longest hockey game. We've played six of those now. And this will be our second baseball game, um, all for the same purpose. Uh, my dad uh, passed away of cancer, and my first wife passed away of cancer. Numerous aunts and uncles, and uh, I just I made a promise to my dad when he was in the hospital that I would try to do my best to keep kids out of the place that he was going to. And and uh, this is how we're doing it. It's it's grown animals that I never believed it would. There's guys talking about we want to do longest football game next, <laughs> and uh, but uh, we're at uh, over five million bucks and counting now, and we're hoping to raise uh, about uh, half a million on this next venture. Unreal numbers on that side of it. The planning must be something that is. Uh, we talked before we hit the record button here. It's a well-oiled machine. But talk about the organization. Talk about some of the people who are behind the scenes who are making sure everything goes according to plan over the next few days. Yeah, well, I'm looking at one of our biggest helpers, Canadian Rig Mats. There and there, they bring uh, to do this. You need a facility, and thankfully, Strathcona County is letting us use uh, their diamond here. Um, but it, you can't just come to a ballpark and start playing. You've got to make room for campers. So we've got neighbors that we had to send notes out to the condos, uh, bylaw. We're breaking every bylaw in the book in Strathcona <laughs> County, but the mayor and everybody just signed off on it and said, go for it. Um, and that's really what it takes. There's, um, there's 
so many people that do this. This is a, as always, a, a, it's a, it's not a net game. It's just every dime that we raise goes straight to it. Like I'm, I'm watching a structure go up. That's massive. That's this huge, huge tent. Um, I don't even know how big this thing is. And, uh, it's all donated. Like there's been guys working at this for two days already to put this together and they'll be, they'll be done late tonight. They said, so mm-hmm. you can imagine putting a building, a complex in a, in a couple nights and, and away we go. Talk a little bit about the structure of the gameplay. And I know in, in the hockey games in particular, is there's kind of shifts, for lack of a better term. How many athletes are taking part? How is the structure going so that they can get a little bit of sleep before they go back out into the field? Yeah, so we're, uh, we've done it different every time because we think we can do it better next time. So uh, it's generally uh, for the baseball we're we're gonna have four lines of seven, and then guys will sub in out in and out. Uh, you're allowed fifty uh, fifty six players, so two teams of twenty eight. Our team uh, team hope the home team, the team that's gonna win against Team <laughs> Cure, <laughs> and uh, you'll play four to roughly four to five hours uh, twice, and get about a four hour rest, and then you'll maybe play a six to eight hour shift and get an eight hour rest. And uh, you just you'll keep going. So it's uh, in out of the eighty-four hours, you'll probably play around uh, thirty-five hours of baseball, roughly. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to plan all of this. I'm curious, what's it like from a player perspective? Walk us through those motions and moments as you're trying to uh, count down the hours to get to that eighty-five total. Yeah, the. Uh, that that process is is the the easiest action because this is all hard. I got guys that are playing, and like I say, volunteers. There's so many people around here getting this thing set up. Um, the easy part is 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 playing because when we do this, we're going to see. Um, well, unfortunately, we're going to see little kids that don't have hair come and watch, and that chokes me up every time. So when when you go through that process and. And really, you're just you're just out there playing baseball. But it's incredible the amount of people that that come by and thank us and say, "I'm getting choked up again." That's mm-hmm. that's how it's going to happen. It's uh, it's sad, but it's why we're doing it. We're gonna we're gonna find a way at some point to cure this thing. The money that we're raising this for is uh, something that's never been done in the world. Uh, Dr. Mackey, uh, to get a cancer drug approved or used is about a one in 1,000 chance that that'll happen. And uh, uh, this this gentleman has a one in three chance of a cure of cancer. And then we're not talking a treatment because every cancer drug and, and thing that we do right now is a treatment. It's not actually a cure. Um, and they're on to something right now that within nine months, it's very possible to be, be used on little kids with leukemia. So that's... Uh, that's our goal. So we got to get them a half a million bucks so you can get there. And that's one of the things, too. You mentioned kind of two two aspects of this is the one side of it, which is the emotional aspect. And then the, you have the other side of it, which is the brain aspect of it. And is how tough is that when you do actually see uh, the people that you are directly affecting, whether it be those who are battling cancer or those who are uh, actually fighting to find that cure are there actually in person uh, giving you that reason to continue playing on? 
Yeah, it's amazing. The uh, the the worst part about this team is, in order to play, you have to personally have cancer. You have to have someone that died very close to you of cancer, or hopefully someone that's survived cancer that's close to you. Um, this isn't a group of guys that just say, "Hey, I like playing ball." No, you mm-hmm. you have to be completely vested in the future of cancer, as it were. Um, so mentally, when when you're going through that and you're seeing people, you're thinking of your loved ones. When you're, I remember last game, we our half inning was an hour and forty five minutes. That's probably another world record. But, oh. uh, and we we're standing out there, we couldn't get it out. An hour and forty five minutes in the snow in September. It was, <laughs> it was that was awful. <laughs> and uh, uh, to a point where it was just a joke, and we wanted four outs. Like, we weren't leaving. Uh, but that was that was the best part because people were. We're cheering us on in the stands to to get a note, and you think we could, right? Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, watching 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 people come and support you and give you well wishes. That you, these aren't when the fans come because there'll be lots. I don't know anybody, but people will just come up to me and say thanks, Brent. We appreciate it. So mm-hmm. there's there's no better feeling in the world than that. You, uh, it's it's what I'm. My kids are around here, and my family's around here, and it's 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 how people are supposed to be in the world, and it's a fun, fun and exciting place to be around. Absolutely. The one aspect of it that I always wonder about when it comes to any kind of summer event, an outdoor event, and you mentioned the snow in September the last time around, how far down the line are you looking through the forecast and kind of gulping every single day going, I hope it's pretty decent out there? Don't don't tell me. There's kind of a an inside rule that everybody knows. I never look at the weather. Oh, okay. And everybody else does. And because uh, we've done this, and we played hockey in minus fifty one, and it's it's nice and warm here right now, but windy. So the tents that are up, we've had to take the sidewalls down. Um, and I don't know what's in stores. All I know is that uh, I'll be ready to play and. Uh, in whatever it is, if it's thundering, we're playing. I've talked to the guys around about that, and because that's obviously a huge safety issue of mm-hmm. playing in, in thunder and lightning. Um, that discussion's been had, and said we're not stopping for that. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of these guys said it'll probably help their game. I'm always curious and and from a a performer standpoint I always look at different events and I always take a moment or two to kind of soak it all in during the course of those 85 hours do you yourself as someone who is organizing an event like this try to take a moment or two to soak in the atmosphere around the diamond 100% 100% my favorite part uh, uh, I've already found my spot that I'm doing it here, it'll be a corner in left field. And I'm just going to grab a beer and take a chair and go sit there where nobody's around and, and just have a quiet moment and appreciate what's happening and say thanks to everybody for being there. But you have to do that. You have to, you have to kind of sit by yourself because there's, there's so much going on. You have to sit by yourself, uh, enjoy it and, and just be thankful that it all comes together. Final question for you. What does it mean to you personally to not only be involved in something like this and to be organizing part of it and to be uh, taking part in it, but what does it mean to you to have that community support and to be able to uh, see this all come to fruition uh, for a second time? Yeah, the uh, 
the community sports amazing. We had uh, we actually had police here last night, uh, just checking us out, and they said, uh, "Just want to know, here's a couple of rules and stuff." They said, "Absolutely, we got uh, we understand and you know respect the community." I said, "We understand," and I really don't see us getting any complaints from anybody. Um, we're we're here doing a job and being respectful of of the community that's letting us do it in. So a huge thanks to people that do that. When when I decided to do it in Sherwood Park, I went to the mayor and and uh, he said, yeah, just tell me what you need. And and if there's a bylaw issue, just have them call me. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's just the way it played out. And, and it's happened. Like we're, like I said, we're breaking every bylaw in Sherwood Park to put this on. And uh, it's amazing that the community comes together and they've really kind of made this a part of thankfully made this a part of the community, you know, the mm-hmm. hockey games at, at, uh, at our house, but yet the community knows of that rink as something that they can bring their kids to. If they have a, uh, a little kids team that wants to have a hot dog party in the winter, they know they can use that rink. Like this is, mm-hmm. this is, uh, this is a place for everybody to enjoy and, and, and think about when you're there. Brent Wella, thanks so much for shedding some light on the event. Thanks so much for sharing your story and all the best as well as you guys head into the next few days. Yeah, and keep up the good work. I love your your podcast and that. Appreciate it. Now, coincidentally, our next guest is also very familiar with the Ball Diamonds around Sherwood Park. Tanner Kerwer had a breakout campaign with the Vancouver Canadians in 2018. He hit 280 with four home runs, 22 RBIs, 28 stolen bases, and was named Northwest League All-Star. The 23-year-old has been battling some injuries this season, though, spending some time with the Gulf Coast League Blue Jays and the Midwest League's Lansing Lugnuts. And that's where we caught up with the 2017 Blue Jays draft pick. Hey, Tanner, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, no worries. Sherwood Park boy... Uh, obviously very much a hockey area, the Edmonton capital area. And so I'm curious, how is it that you got into baseball in the first place? Uh, well, baseball was actually the, uh, first sport I ever uh, started to play. I think, uh, my parents told me when I was younger, I was, uh, too scared to play hockey at first, but around six years old, I started to play both. And, uh, I played, uh, both sports all the way up through until the, 10th grade, I believe, and then my parents uh, wanted me to pick a sport so I could try and pursue that, and I chose baseball. When you were asked, hey, you got to figure out what you want to do, what was sort of the deciding factor for you there? Uh, I just thought that I was, uh, I'd be able to pursue baseball a little bit uh, further than I would hockey. Uh, I wasn't the greatest hockey player, especially with uh, all the talent around me. Uh, being from Edmonton and Alberta. So uh, I chose baseball, and luckily it paid off. I was able to uh, get a scholarship to go to college, and from there I got drafted. So uh, it definitely paid off. When you look back on that decision, would you have ever thought that you'd be able to go as far as you have to this point at such a young age? Uh, Not really, no. I was just trying to, coming out of high school, I was just trying to, go to the next step which would be college and then from college I was just trying to play well and luckily luckily enough uh, junior year came around and uh, I knew that there was a chance that I'd be able to get drafted if I had a good year and uh, luckily everything paid off and I was able to uh, get drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays. 
Was there a moment during your progression where you went, hey, maybe I've got a shot at this where I could get drafted down the line? I mean, uh, your T12 performance was is well documented and you've had a few other major events. But in your mind, was there one that really turned the corner for you? Uh, I would say my freshman year of college, uh, I didn't know what to expect going into Division One baseball. Uh, and uh, luckily, I was able to uh, get a starting role that year, and uh, I performed pretty well. Uh, and from there on, my coach told me that if I keep putting up numbers like that, there's a good chance that I'll be able to get drafted. Walk us through that day in 2017 when you were selected by the Blue Jays. Uh, well, I woke up and I was really nervous because I knew there was a chance that I'd be able to get drafted on that third day. Uh, my agent called me and said uh, probably around the 20th to 25th round to uh, start watching because that's when expected for me to get drafted. So uh, around, around 18, 19, I got a little bit nervous and me and my uh, – girlfriend's brother uh i was so nervous i had to go and uh go to the driving range and start hitting some golf balls on there to take my uh mind off of things but uh on the way to the driving range i actually got the call to check the draft and it was the toronto blue jays did i read a story that for a split second or two you almost thought you were going to the blue jays arch rival the yankees uh yes uh actually on the way to the driving range when i got the call from my agent he said uh the Yankees are about to choose you in the 21st round. Uh, so I start watching the draft. And so I got on and I was watching it. And then my agent called me like five minutes later saying, check the drafts right now. The Toronto Blue Jays just took you. So, uh, yeah, it was definitely, uh, it was definitely crazy. Uh, thinking you're going to go to, uh, the Yankees, which would have been completely fine with me. Like the Yankees are a great organization, but, uh, to get drafted by your, uh, favorite team growing up is definitely special. Who did you look up to when you were watching the Jays uh, make make waves in the, the late 90s, early 2000s there? I just remember my favorite players, uh, the guys that I always loved to watch, were uh, Vernon Wells, uh, their center fielder, Carlos Delgado. I also liked Frank Thomas and uh, definitely Roy Holiday, too. Walk us through the last couple of years. I know we'll get to the injury thing in a second, but it's had to have been a bit of a, a bit of a roller coaster making your way up. And I mean, you were an all star last year. I mean, there's a, there's been a lot of highlights and and maybe some some real cool things that you've been able to accomplish so far. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my first year coming into pro ball, didn't know what to expect. Uh, it was tough at first making that jump. I uh, started that first pro season pretty slow. And uh, around the last two weeks, I uh, around the last month, I started to play pretty well. And then, unfortunately, I actually got, right when I was in that hot spell, I got uh, hit in the face by a fastball, Ooh. which uh, put me out for the rest of the year. So that was definitely unfortunate. And then I had to spend the rest of the year in Florida. And then uh, the next year, I uh, wanted to uh, make a name for myself in the organization, coming back off the energy, uh, injury and not having the best year. Uh, so I went to Vancouver, played for the Canadians, and luckily there I was able to uh, play really well and uh, hopefully put my name on their map. Talk about the patience that you've 
uh, assumingly, that you've had to go through over the course of the last couple of years? Because I'm sure once you get drafted, you have that idea of, hey, I want to make it to the show soon. But at the same time, you got A, you got to pay your dues, and B, you've got to uh, kind of make your way through the system. So talk about the patience that you kind of needed to uh, to endure what you've gone through. Yeah, it's definitely a process. Uh, and yeah, you need a lot of patience, especially when you're going through uh, – uh, hard times playing, you're not playing well, or you get hurt. Uh, like I went to Florida this year and I was there for a month, basically doing nothing. And it's just frustrating, but uh, you got to remember what you're doing it for and you got to keep working hard and uh, get back off the injury and uh, come back and start playing uh, well again. So you uh, don't lose uh, any progress in your uh, progression. Have you learned anything about yourself as you've gone through some of the injuries and some of the ups and downs over the last couple of years? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Uh, you gotta. I learned that I you got to be really determined and uh, be able to go out every day, even if you know you're just going into rehab. You got to be able to go into each day trying to get better, uh, even if you're not on the field. If if you're in the uh, if you're in the weight room, if you're in the training room, you got to do the exercises that uh, will be able to get you back on the field. So, yeah, that's what I would say. Who have you leaned on? Who have you gone to for advice over the last couple of years to continue your progression? Uh, I would say my head coach now, Dallas McPherson. Uh, he played in the MLB for the White Sox and the Angels growing up. So, uh and he's definitely helped uh, me and all of my other teammates out a lot. He's been through it, so uh, he definitely knows what he's talking about. What do you have in terms of goals in your mind heading into the fall as we're getting later and later in this season, obviously, as you try to maybe, I assume, ramp up into uh, the 2020 campaign? Uh, yeah, this off season, I'm going to work really hard on uh, getting bigger so I can hit balls further. Uh also try and maintain my speed or even get a little bit faster. So uh, when I get on base for my team, I can get in scoring position by stealing bases. Talk a little bit about your advice for those who are in your home province now who are looking up to you or the Mike Sorokas of the world and saying, I want to do what they're doing. Uh, they just can't get frustrated. Everything's not going to go your way uh, playing this game, but you got to keep working hard and, uh, get seen at the right time. You never know who's watching. That's what happened to me. I went to uh, the Canada Summer Games. It was the first time I ever got picked for a, for an Alberta team, so I was pretty happy about that. I went into uh, the Alberta Summer Games. I played pretty well, and uh, that's where I got seen by uh, Coach Rob McCoy of Niagara. And then he saw me a second time at Tournament 12 where I, I played pretty good again, and uh, that's how I ended up at Niagara. It's amazing to me going and talking to different people is uh, word of mouth is a big aspect of the game and very much the the mindset of the athlete needs to be front and center, almost more so than the pure talent. You need to be able to to be a good teammate and all that kind of thing. Talk a little bit about that aspect of it and what you've learned as you've made your way around the baseball world. Uh, yeah, uh, it's always tough. Uh... If you're not playing well, you can get down on yourself and start not caring. But I think it's important that you uh, you don't get upset with yourself. You have to be able to keep cheering on your teammates because coaches don't like seeing guys that just go out there and carry themselves terribly. And 
they don't care about the team at all. So uh, I think that it's important to be a good teammate, even though if you're not playing good. That, and that's a big thing that the Blue Jays try and teach us here, that when things aren't going our way, we still have to be good teammates. What is your goal going into, you mentioned the, the, the processes going into winter and what you want to do for next year. Is the goal to get to Toronto next year, or have you set different goals for yourself in terms of your progression that way? Would you like to get back to Vancouver? What's sort of the, your next step that way? Uh, every year you're trying to move up another level. So uh, next year, hopefully, I will be able to play for the Dunedin Blue Jays. Uh, but you can't think about that. You just gotta each day. You gotta go out and play your game. You, you get you can't think about the stuff that you can't control. So the only thing you can control is getting better that day. Final question for you: Looking at your your home province and particularly around the Sherwood Park area, anybody that you want to give a shout out to? Anybody that uh, you feel has been very instrumental in where you are now? Uh. I remember playing uh, back for the uh, Edmonton Prospects uh, my freshman summer. Uh, or Franchuk, uh, our uh, assistant coach, he was the first real hitting coach that I ever had, and he helped me a lot. And he has been a big part of where I am today. Fantastic stuff there, Tanner. Continued success as you make your way through the Toronto Blue Jays organization again. All the best in your recovery over the injuries you've had. And thanks again so much for joining us in the podcast. Thank you. Thanks to both Brent and Tanner for joining us on the podcast this week. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Podbean. And if you or your organization would like to become a sponsor of the podcast, email us at albertadugoutstories at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks again for downloading and listening to Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast.